Thank you for joining us for another podcast from the Commonwealth Club. Hello and good evening. I'm Ann W. Smith, and I'm pleased to welcome Commonwealth Club members to our special annual holiday party. I'm pleased to host the first part of this program as chair of the Commonwealth Club's member-led arts forum, which holds special programming on the arts in the Bay Area throughout the year. And tonight, we're focusing on one of San Francisco's top arts organizations. Usually, we would be doing this at our beautiful building on the Embarcadero, but tonight we're doing it like we've done most things this year, virtually. We are delighted to present a special program in partnership with ACT, our friends at the American Conservatory Theater, right here in San Francisco. Like the Commonwealth Club and all theaters, they too have gone virtual and have brought their particular holiday tradition also into the virtual world. So for the first time in its 44 year history, A Christmas Carol has become an immersive audio event. Got that? Called Christmas Carol on Air. It's available to stream on demand through your laptop, smartphone, or even mirrored to your smart TV. We know that most theater companies like ACT have been forced to think differently about their programming this year, particularly during this holiday season. When going to the theater is a cherished tradition for many families across the country. So we're taking a bit of a deep dive into ACT's Christmas Carol on Air, and we're going to speak to its leaders about how they've taken this annual performance totally online this year and how they are surviving one of the most difficult periods for the performing arts in recent American history. I'm so pleased to be joined tonight by Pam McKinnon, the Artistic Director of ACT, along with two of her colleagues, Peter Kuo, the Director of Christmas Carol on Air, and Jake Rodriguez, the sound engineer, sound designer, behind A Christmas Carol on Air. Hi, Pam. Welcome and delighted Hi, to, to have you back at the Commonwealth Club. Uh, Pam is celebrating her second season as ACT's fourth artistic director. She is a Tony Drama Desk and Obie Award-winning director, having directed upwards of 70 productions, at least, around the country, off-Broadway and on-Broadway, including works by the very best playwrights like David Mamet, Wendy Wasserstein, Edward Albee, and David Mamet, among others. She was raised in Toronto and Buffalo and acted through her teens, then majored in economics and political science before turning back to her true passion, which is creating and directing theater. And we're so glad you did. <laughs> the ACT website says, <clears throat> extending through summer 2022, our current season features virtual programming and events with inter-ACT at home live stream and on-demand programming to enjoy from the comfort and safety of home. And when it is safe to gather again, 
we plan to welcome you back, hopefully in June 2021, with in-person productions at the Geary and Strand Theater. I'm a longtime season ticket holder, Saturday matinee, P102 and 104. And <laughs> Pam, I found your productions the past few years really enjoyable and stimulating from Seascape, those lizards, uh, to Tony Stone, which I actually got to see in preview before it all closed down. I'm so glad you were able to see Tony Stone. It only had six performances. You were there. That's great. I was there, and I have my Tony Stone t-shirt, too. So oh, fantastic. It was like, they told me not to, so I did. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> but the, per the, the current season is crossing three years. And Pam, if we could start with you explaining something about the COVID-19 pandemic impact on theater nationally, internationally, and of course, locally. Yeah, no, it's 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 huge, right? I mean, I mean, at the at the core to our art form is storytelling live and in person. And it is about gathering in place to tell a story. It's also about gathering in place to make a story. Um, and right now, we just simply cannot do that. It is unsafe. We all know that. And in um, mid-March, when, when the city shut down, we had two shows running, and we, we were forced to close them. I mean, we just said Tony Stone. It ran six performances, five previews, and opening night. Opening night became its closing night. Um, yeah. And, you know, so, you know, we, we just, we, and, and, and really until the end of August, those sets, so Gloria was running in the Strand and Tony Stone was running in the Geary. Those sets remained in place until late August because it was even, you know, it was even illegal to take them out of the theater. We, we cannot gather in place right now. And it's fundamental to the art form. So here we are. And, you know, I'm so proud of um, my colleagues and my students, um, staff, artists, teaching artists. Uh, you know, the biggest word of 2020 seems to be pivot. And we've, you know, we pivoted really quickly to the virtual realm. Um, we went from um, firing on all cylinders you know, a, a part of ACT, we're professional theater, we're the last professional theater to still have a freestanding professional actor training program within it. And mm -hmm. so in mid-March, we immediately changed some of our student productions for our Masters of Fine Arts students from being in person to being virtual and we mm -hmm. are stretching what zoom can do we're also thinking much more about audio plays um but you know it's it, it's also amazing to me um and i know you're going to talk about christmas carol later with the, the branded director of the conservatory peter quo who also directed christmas carol and jake the sound designer but i also want people to think about the process like like keep in mind the actors, the creators are not sharing space either. So you're hearing like choral singing and it's being captured with everyone far flung across the country. We have students um, right now who are in Wisconsin, Connecticut, Hawaii, most are in the Bay. And so we're, you know, we're, we're, we're capturing performances from our homes. 
and then and then putting them putting them all together. So it's both the the act of creation as well as how we're sharing it has just completely changed. It's a new medium, and I feel that ACT moved really quickly into the virtual realm. And um, we have some new audience. You know, we have some people who saw a, a video capture of Tony Stone that we released really early in April. Um, some new audience in Finland, in Turkey, East Coast. I mean, that's if if there are some silver linings. You know, one certainly is that geography is just defined differently. Yes. Um, with, you know, with respect to the audience. Also, you know, the other silver lining is that some barriers to access, you know, again, you know, someone in Finland can see some programming, you know, that, that ACT is putting on. Um, it's also, it tends to be the 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 average ticket price tends to be lower than 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 the in-person content that we normally create that's another you know lowering the barriers of access you know certainly our teaching artists working with students um have also pivoted to the virtual realm um we're just you know i i i feel that we haven't stopped at all we've just hopped onto a different track yeah and, and so how have the audiences, how have we, <laughs> the audiences and donors responded to this situation? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been, I, I, I feel, I feel so grateful that our donors, you know, have, have definitely understand what we're going through. I also very much appreciate that there are so many needy organizations right now. Um, and also some of our donors are in a, a more precarious, you know, situation. But, you know, I do feel that, 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 you know, our donors um, have, have been there with us and want us to come through. Um, and, you know, a lot of people have made, you know, multi-year commitments, you know, to make sure that we bridge this time successfully. Um, audiences, you know, we, we certainly, I think, uh, some of our virtual offerings, you know, have been seen, I think the, like, like the, the average age of the audience is a little bit younger. You know, it's, it's, it's people who are just more used to consuming things on, whether it's on their phone, whether it's their laptop, whether they connect it to, you know, to their, to their TV screens. Um, you know, so there is that kind of um, heady excitement about some of our offerings walk that fine line. It's not cinematic, it's theatrical, it's captured live. Um, and so it has that kind of um, adrenaline of live theater. It just happens to be put on a screen and some people really enjoy it. And other people definitely are sort of like, I'm, I need to wait until you're back in person. It's just not my yeah. thing. Um, yeah. So it's, so it's, it's a mix, but, yeah. but, but we've been getting, you know, very, very nice reports of the people, you know, people saying, Whoa, I wouldn't have been able to see this story. And um, you know, very happy, yeah. you know, that, that you're, that you're putting it out there. I think that's great. I know in my age group, of course, there are people who are just going to wait. They, they don't do the internet, you know, I get it. So what I can, what can I say? I say, well, you're missing some good stuff. I really enjoyed, I think it was the Thanksgiving play. Sure. And, right? and those, those kinds of things and really getting a lot of, of excellent work um, from directors and actors and, these actors, well, um, 
the next question I think I wanted to ask you leading into that is what is the role and the significance of the conservatory during this special season, as we call yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, certainly during the fall, you know, the sort of the traditional time for a season to start at ACT is in that September, October yeah. um, timeframe. And so during the fall, we put our MFA acting conservatory, especially the third years as, um, as, as, as well as the second years, actually, but especially the third years, like front and center in production. Um, and we had an encore presentation, actually, of a show that went really well for us in the spring um, that Peter Kuo, who you'll speak to later, you'll meet later, um, directed. And that, and so that was uh, um, six actors who were in their first year, now in their second year. We put that forward. We actually um, created a, a co-production. So we worked with another theater, Perseverance mm. Theater up in Juneau, Alaska, saw it in its original incarnation, became very interested. And so we partnered with another theater. And so both ACT as well as Perseverance audiences got to see that production. It was called In Love and Warcraft um, yeah. by Madri Shaker. And um, so that was exciting, you know, and, and also there, there, there's something in this moment, again, you sort of grab for what's what, what's good, you try to be an optimist, um, that, you know, a, a theater, like working with Perseverance Theater, also like the scale of theaters doesn't really matter perhaps as much as it would if we were thinking about a co-production in, in an actual, you know, um, architectural theater, because... You know, you don't have to have um, a stage the size of the Geary to have a co-production with ACT right now because it's all in the virtual realm. Um, so, you know, so so we're 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 creating new partnerships. Um, but but the students, I mean, they've they've hopped on board. We've put them front and center. It's been um, a challenge, but but also I think they've really seized the opportunity. They're working with great professional directors. They're working with um, fantastic designers um you know and and you know these are these are through and through 21st century you know younger adults so technology comes probably more easily to them <laughs> than it does to me um and they've 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 taken the deep dive into it and you know i, I think i think normally conservatory training professional actor training at a conservatory wouldn't have as much camera work because inherently if you're doing a virtual production you are dealing with the camera um so these students are getting that and mm -hmm. you know it, in like galore and you know they're gonna they're gonna come out with with a like a fantastic toolbox with respect to camera virtual you know thinking about themselves a lot of them think about themselves not just as actors but truly as art makers as theater makers um and they're coming out very creative sort of you know firing on all cylinders so will they come out with not just with um equity you know their equity cards but also will they get some credits toward 
you know, SAG or ASTRA, the Screener so, Theater Guild? So, so with, with our Christmas Carol, it was on a SAG-AFTRA con- contract. Uh-huh. And so they will, they'll have the opportunity to join that. So that's the Screen Actor. Um, yeah, it's so, so because it's, it's streaming, because it's, it's, voice, it's voice acting, that was uh-huh. on a different contract. Um, and uh-huh. then, then later this year, we're, um, we're about, well, January, February, and March, we're going to have a reading series of classic plays, and that's where the students will get their equity cards. Very good. Sounds great. Uh, so, huh, what, well, what are two or three or five things you're looking forward to before and after, and you've given me a uh, a new term, architectural theater performances uh, versus virtual theater performances. So what are you looking forward to when live or architectural theater resumes? Um, I mean, before we get there, we're going to be making a movie. We're, oh. we're, we're partnering with a theater, Woolly Mammoth Theater, and yeah. we're making a movie of what we were going to produce in person, a play with music called Animal Wisdom. So I'm very excited, again, like that word pivot, we've pivoted, we're going to capture it. This isn't Zoom theater. This is a very, you know, um, do it yourself. We're going to capture it in the theater in DC where Woolly Mammoth is. Um, this is a, a, a fantastically moving, deeply personal story by a fantastic on the rise artist, Heather Christian. So we're making an independent film, but as theater artists. So that's exciting to me, this kind of yeah. hybrid, you know, um, so throwing ourselves, you know, into this medium even more. Um, you know, I, I also think coming out of this, um, I've certainly had and, and made more connections with um, theater leaders and theater artists all over the country. Again, mm-hmm. like geography doesn't matter right now. Um, you know, whether I'm on a Zoom call with someone, you know, in downtown San Francisco um, or someone in Baltimore, Maryland, it's kind of all the same. And so we're, we're sharing a lot as, as, as professional colleagues. Um, and then, you know, when, when we're back in person, I, you know, I will be hugely relieved. I've, you know, dedicated my life to this art form. I, I crave it. I, I think I also crave as just a human being. Like, I think there's, there's the social aspect that all of us are, thirsty for and theater helps to quench that thirst in-person theater so you know cannot wait but 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 certainly and I think I think there are things that we're learning that are like like how like how can we combine the best of what we're going through are there more opportunities to let's say capture you know, a, a production like like Tony Stone, capture it so that some people who want to see it but cannot make it to our Geary Theater downtown San Francisco, that we can somehow provide access to it. That feels important. You know, I also feel that ACT as a, a training organization, as a, you know, a place where people come to take classes, kids age eight to 18, you know, adults um, in studio ACT, some of these courses should remain online. Like they're actually fantastic online and our teaching mm-hmm. artists and other artists have figured out how to do that and it you know increases our reach it's national it's international but also like 
you know, to have like, a, like, like, let's say you're, you're the parent of a middle school kid and over this holiday session, instead of needing to drive, you know, your, your, your kid, you know, into San Francisco, like some online offerings make sense. Um, and it's both mm-hmm. it keeps the kid occupied. It, it, it's creative. Um, and, you know, they, they come out charged. So some of this stuff we're going to keep. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Why not? Well, right now, <laughs> it's Christmas Carol uh, time, and that's what always happens, always happens at ACT this time of year, but it is, quote, on air. Why not just cancel the whole thing until you, until you can return to theater? Just say, okay, forget it. You know, we'll be back. <laughs> sure. Um, but, you know, I, I you know, I... I think it is a fantastic story. I mean, you know, it, it is, it is a chestnut, but, but it's, it, but it's a, you know, it's, it's, it's about invoking and um, uh, uh, generosity. It is about invoking community. It is about, in, you know, uh, uh, demanding that you take care of your neighbor. It feels yes. more relevant in this moment than most holiday seasons. Um, so to deny the power of that story felt wrong. So there's that aspect of it. And then also it's, it's you know, you, we, we talked about the MFA um, students. It's yeah. very much a part of their training. And, you know, so, so normally it would be for the students their first opportunity to act on the Geary stage. We couldn't do that this year, but we... Right. But, but it remains a moment for these MFA third year students to work with professional actors. So it's a mixed company of student and professional actors. And there's nothing like that. Like it's a big step up for a younger actor to, oh, my scene partner's been doing this 40 years longer than me. I have to rise to the occasion. So that was also, you know, so pedagogically, that was also very important. So like the literal content of the story we wanted yes. it out there as well as pedagogically. It's, it's part of our program. Okay. So it was common sense. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> and, and you've got two of the best, uh, was James Carpenter and Sharon Lockwood. The best. Two actors who can do anything at leading them. That's so. absolutely right. I Wonderful. Mean, yeah. Wonderful. So, and I, you know, and I, and I got to work with, with Jim in, uh, in Seascape. I know. Um, I remember yeah. that. I'll never forget those lizards. <laughs> so good. The lizards. Anyway, <laughs> well, thank you so much. We've run out of our time, but I, I hope to talk to you again mid, mid-year uh, or whenever another update is update is a good idea. Fantastic. We'll Love figure it. it out together. Great. And um, so thanks again very much. Thanks, Anne. Uh, enjoy your unusual year <laughs> and uh so we'll, we'll, let's go ahead and we're going to talk now with uh, about christmas carol specifically with uh the director peter quo um and the transition from stage to studio i guess we call that that's what we call the place you recorded it and to end the magical world of signed uh, designer jake rodriguez so thanks again, and we'll first uh, have a five-minute clip as a sound preview. 
closing time, <clears throat> sir. So it is. Um, Mr. Scrooge, uh, about tomorrow. You'll want all day, I suppose. If it's quite convenient, sir. It's not convenient, and it's not fair. If I were to dock your pay half crown for it, you'd think yourself ill-used, I'll be bound. And yet, nobody would think me ill-used when I pay a day's wages for no work. It is but once a year, sir. A poor excuse for picking a man's pocket every 25th of December. But I suppose you must have the whole day. Be here all the earlier the next morning, Cratchit. I will, sir. I promise. Good evening. And Merry... Bah! Humbug! Christmas. Look outside. Oh! What in the world? Thank <laughs> you, Papa. Oh, fight, is it? No. Well... Uh-oh. Watch out, oh. Peter! Oh. Oh, my God. Look out for Tiny Tim. <laughs> you got me. Oh. oh, Papa. Are you okay? I didn't even throw it that hard. Oh, oh Belinda, help him. He's only playing, Tim. All right, all right. We mustn't keep your mother waiting much longer. But I didn't get to sled down the hill. Me neither. Now, now, Sally, Ned... Your mother will be worried if we get home too late. We don't have time to sled down the hill. At least no more than three times. Let's hurry then. Come on. I love the Cratchit family. Why is Tiny Tim so... Tiny. Dickens was never clear what kind of sickness Tiny Tim had, but it could have been rickets, tuberculosis, or renal tubular acidosis. <laughs> or all three. Oh, no. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. First, we must return to Scrooge's Christmas Eve. <laughs> Scrooge took his dinner in his mm. usual melancholy tavern. Yeah. And having spent the rest of the evening alone with his banker's book, went home for bed. He lived in a gloomy suite of rooms which had once belonged to his deceased partner. <clears throat> the fog and the frost hung about the black old doorway of the house. <gasps> What's that? What's that? The knocker. The knocker? Yes. Hmm? There was nothing at all particular about the knocker on the door. Scrooge had seen it night and morning during his whole residence in that place. Ebenezer Scrooge. Who's calling? Who's calling? And being that Scrooge had little of what is called imagination, let any person explain to me how it happened that Scrooge saw in the knocker the face of... But he's dead. Ebenezer Scrooge. It was not angry or ferocious, but looked at Scrooge as Marley used to look. Uh. The hair was curiously stirred, 
as if by hot air, and though the eyes were wide open, they were perfectly motionless. Humbug! cried out Scrooge as he turned away, only to hear the door creak open ever so slowly. Quickly he turned to find... Mrs. Dilber! Mr. Scrooge! I... I... You, you? I thought it was uh, The Queen of Egypt. Somebody else. Well, maybe if you'd light a lamp, you'd see better. Darkness is cheap. I like it. Oh, but coming out of the cold, oh, it's perishing tonight. I hadn't noticed. Okay. Well, that was great to <laughs> listen to. Huh? Get those ears working, people. <laughs> it's a great warm-up. So we're going to talk next about the Christmas Carol on air with uh, director Peter Quo, specifically about the production's transition to another from one world to another, one medium to another, and then about the magical world of uh, sound that designer Jake Rodriguez creates. Let's, let me go to you first. Welcome, Peter. Peter is a designer, a director, a producer, writer, and educator who's focused on raising the visibility of marginalized communities in his work. A Los Angeles native, me too, he is a pioneer and um, advocate for live video theater, which is an art form of uh, hybrid of theater film. He's worked with ACT as a, as a director, along with East West Players, Mako. Oh, yeah, Mako. Mako was the yeah, I knew him back artistic in the director, yeah. 80s, yeah. South Coast Repertory and, um, uh, and Berkeley Rep um, and, and many others here in the Bay uh, also. And he has his uh, MFA from the New School for Drama in New York. And congratulations on that. Not an easy place to finish with. <laughs> He's also now director of conservatory. Congratulations at ACT. And so many of these people are the, the third year MFA actors who will be getting their equity cards as soon as they uh, get their degree. Mm -hmm. Here's a d piece of paper. What says you can. <laughs> Here's well, another piece of paper that says you can get paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, now, you have a history with this production of Christmas Carol, don't you? Well, yeah. So, when I first came on um, to the staff at uh, ACT, I was actually the Associate Conservatory Director. And mm -hmm. I started as the Associate Director of Carol, just so I can learn the production. Dominique Lozano was the one who was directing at the time and she had been directing it for about 13, 14 years. Oh. Um, and prior to that, um, what she was directing was based off of the original production, which Carrie Perloff had done 15 years right. ago. Um, and Jake is, I believe the only designer who still is on the same, who every single year works on the show year after year after year. Yeah, it's been a little while since we've seen the other folk. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so then the year after that, I directed it. And then this year is when I directed it um, and adapted it for this production. Okay. 
I know you could talk for a couple hours about this, but we have about five minutes or so. Oh, no. Um, I mean, for this question. Yes, okay. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, so what have been the big issues and challenges adapting the script, which you did, as well as um, directing the actors into a radio-only mode? Yeah. Challenge. I mean, truly when when i think the artistic staff had said peter we want you to still do carol but we want it to be adapted into a radio play one of my first questions was who's the sound designer are we still using jake and if we are can we include him in the conversation as soon as possible uh because i knew it was yeah. going to be pivotal for for me and jake to be working together not just in designing the soundscape of the world and learning from each other what we can and cannot do in this world but also like the engineering of it, the, the capturing of the audio and just knowing whatever we can do to make the process and the recording as simple as possible for Jake to be able to work with what he created. And even then I know it, it still took a lot of work on Jake's end to put it together. Um, but we, he, he and I met very early on and it was very much this question mark of, well, what can, what needs to be filled in what are we used to seeing that we need to now hear? And what can I, you know, we're not confined to the same restrictions of the Geary, where the Geary is such a big, beautiful space, but also when you fly a set piece in, another set piece has to fly out and um, actors need time to change costumes so they can't play this character and this character. In, that, in this version, we didn't have all of that. Um, so it was very much, okay, well, what can we play with? And I think one of my earliest favorite things was, I was telling Jake, was like, the, the snowball fight we heard. I was like, I want to do a snowball fight. And that's not going to be very visual. It's very audio-based. Do you think what? that's something we could do? Yeah. Yeah. And Jake was like, yes, let, let's let's go for it. And so I was super excited about that. Um, and so, and then we kept playing with what are other things that we can't do in an, a live in-person production that we can do in this audio format and take advantage of this format rather than running away from it. So changing from can't to can. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. There's, you know, all the video, the audio effects that Jake brought in and, and the, the affectations that were placed on the voices afterwards that, you know, we, those are harder to do on stage and live and so mm -hmm. jake um really like built this amazing soundscape where we had a number of actors who also uh who also would repeat their lines and then we had them living in the background of their their text um when they actually speak it okay. I, I mean jake could actually talk about it way more than i got i'm just serious okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> did, did you have to direct them like on a zoom thing a setup yeah. Yes. Yeah. Is that how you rehearsed? We rehearsed on Zoom, and we re-recorded on uh, on between. We had the videos on Zoom, but we used uh, clean, clean feed. feed. Yeah, and clean feed. You know, Jake knew much um, the capabilities of really getting everyone's clean audio and being able to put that together and really make something magical. Um, that being said, it's really hard to tell what the rhythm of the actors are in clean feed or in zoom in general that singing you heard at one point there was a they were singing a song um when we record it it sounds kind of monstrous <laughs> because not everyone's on the same tempo or not not tempo not everyone's starting at the same time yeah so 
it sounds like a cacophony. I wasn't in a lot of those musical recordings and rehearsals, but the first time I was, I actually had this moment of like, what's happening? Is are, things are broken. What's going on? And then after they sang the take, Jake was like, that was excellent, y'all. And I was like, was it? I don't, what, really? <laughs> but I, I trust you. I, I trust you. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It is, it is a great. little hard to tell in real time. I mean, yeah. we've got, like, over the course of this time that we've all been stuck in Zoom, uh, you know, we've all kind of gotten used to this, like, Zoom delay that we all experience. And you know, going back and listening to some of that dialogue afterwards, it was like, oh, no, there's this delay between everything that we really had to tighten up. Um, what do you yeah, mean was, tighten up? Well, you know, the, the, the slight little, because we're all in different locations and we're communicating through the Internet, there's a slight little gap of time between when I say something and when you hear it, when you respond back to me. Uh, we did the whole, we rehearsed the whole play through Zoom. We never heard it in any other way. Everybody was always online. And uh, that sort of slight delay that we're used to in Zoom, we're not really used to in real life. So when I would go back and listen to the recordings and we and Peter and I would listen to the recordings, we'd realize that there was an unnatural gap between one actor talking and another actor responding. And while we can all put up with that on Zoom, uh, you know, when we go back and listen to it, we want to hear audio. We want to hear dialogue clip along at a, at a normal pace. Uh, that was a huge challenge. Yeah. That that would be. Um, yeah. So welcome, Jake. Thanks for jumping in and, and helping you, us Aunt. make the segue. Yeah. Um, and so Jake is a sound designer and composer, and he's mm -hmm. based in the San Francisco Bay Area, and he works at regional theaters around uh, California and the United States. California, he's done the Mark Taper Forum, you know, little places. Um, ACT, American Conservatory Theater. Ever worked at ACT Seattle? I have not, although I have had a show that I, that, that, that I uh, did design for, okay, performed good. there, A Thousand Splendid Sons, which came from ACT Oh, San yes, Francisco. I came from here. Yeah. The Guthrie Theater worked at Berkeley Rep, Cutting Ball Theater, Center Stage. So you've, you've designed a lot of sound for a lot of groups. <clears throat> and um, I guess to continue with what you were talking about, um, let's take a look at what the big difference, what, what do you mean by immersion? Is that where there's... Well, I'll tell you, I didn't come up with that space. term. <laughs> I don't know anything about labels. It, it, I, as far as I was concerned, we were making a radio play. That's okay. That was always what was in my head as we were going forth. Uh, immersive audio experience, I think, is a good descriptor, actually, of what this ended up being. Um, you know, it, it, we, we approached it as a radio play. We rehearsed it like a radio play in that I was in Zoom with my noisemakers behind me in this room that I'm in right now. And as we rehearsed the scenes, I made noises. I did live Foley. I played some of the recorded sound effects um, so that, A, it gave the actors a sort of sense of what would be happening uh, to sort of put them in the right space, as well as, for me, it gave me a blueprint of what I could do after the case. Um, so they were recorded the sound and the talk. Were totally recorded differently, separately. 
Uh, well, be, we recorded it all live. I recorded everything I did sound-wise live as well, but mostly I, I re-recorded that stuff. I went, okay, that was good, but I could do it a little bit better when I'm not trying to also record the actors at the same time and trying to follow the script and all that stuff, you know? So um, we, we, we treated the rehearsals kind of like a live radio play, but this is not a live production. It's a recorded production. And I think one of the big differences between this stage production, you know, as we're preparing to do a live theater piece, uh, part of the preparation of what we're trying to achieve is something that will happen in real time, live, you know, between the cast and the crew and the designers, we're all creating something that can happen, that can be created by a certain amount of humans in a space in real time. This is something that is that is recorded. And so we weren't, as Peter was alluding to, we weren't restricted by, you know, what we could do in real time. So we were actually able to, you know, say, okay, well, what if we layer all this stuff up and what if this song morphs into this other moment? Things that would be very difficult to do on stage with humans, you know, <laughs> humans. That's, that's amazing. This, yeah. I mean, this is not talk radio, of course, but it's also not, when I was, I was a sound tech in college, the most tense work I ever did. <laughs> and we're, we were... We'd have to queue up reel to reel. Everything was reel oh, to yeah. reel. I mean, oh, the yeah. big reels, Oof. you know. And and uh, it, that was the most taxing uh, work I think I ever have done in theater. <laughs> right, it keeping up those reels, getting them yeah, pressed play, keeping those keeping it queued up. Yeah, yeah. How do how do you you know? I remember we had like oh, well over fifty sound cues not including for a tempest every time Ar ariel appeared i had to play his theme oh you know? my gosh yeah <sighs> wow it has come a very long way um are there other are there particular advances that have made it possible to be so immersed well I mean, you know, we're not working with reel-to-reel -reel or even right. CDs anymore. So we we're, aren't limited by a certain amount of channels or tracks that we can play at one time. So, uh, you know, digital audio allows us to layer multiple layers at one time. Wow. You know, and, and doing this as we did as a, as, a, as a sort of production, an audio production, allowed us also to have, you know numerous singers all layered on top of each other. I mean, what, some of the pieces that you hear sung in the show are um, our music director, Dan Fair, arranged it so that these this group of, uh, a relatively small group of actors were layered into harmonies and melodies so that you have a huge choir on stage in our stage yes. um, that, uh, that uh, wouldn't be possible with the small amount of people that we were working with. Um, it's a different imagination, right? Right. <laughs> you know, oral imagination. Yeah, I mean, Peter and I, Peter and I, from the get-go, talked about um, what was really important for us to sort of place the audience, to place the lens, uh, um, and to be able to shift it so that, uh, like, what, what you were listening to just there, you know, you start in the office in the counting room, Scrooge's Counting House. 
Um, and you're sort of right there in the middle of the office, and Scrooge is to your right, and uh, uh, Bob Cratchit's to your left, which is based on the original staging, the stage production. And they move around the office space, and you're sort of right there with them. And then when Bob Cratchit leaves and exits, and we have that whole snowball scene outside, uh, we leave with Bob Cratchit. So we leave Scrooge, and now we're with Bob outside. And then when the Cratchits all leave, they all run off, and our lens stays outside and then dissolves and you get the narrators that come in so now you're with the narrators again and uh Mm. they're sort of closer and they start describing the action again we see it from a little bit further distance so we see scrooge walking to his counting house and he's sort of down there he's we're not right with him but then when the knocker appears from the door we sort of slide into Scrooge's presence. And now we're sort of right there next to Scrooge. And, and then Mrs. Dilber opens the door so we can be startled by that. Wow. Immersive. It's very immersive. Bad. Yeah. Peter, did you have a comment? Well, yeah, no, I mean, I think that's uh, so much of that testament is to what like Jake really built. I think we talked about it a lot and I would share my perspective of like, oh, this is who I think we should be focusing in or leaning into. And even the actors, you know, part part of it I think is is the sound engineering that Jake did, the sound design and the work that he did to place those characters in in the headphones at different locations Ooh. and proximities, which was fantastic. But also in speaking to the actors, telling them like we're planning to have you a little bit closer here, or we want you to be a little bit closer or be farther. The way they actually act as if how they're react, um, working with an audience in a certain way, in the way that actors unconsciously do, shifted. And that helps get us that sense of like, oh, now we're having a private, close conversation versus now we're at a little bit more of a distance. Uh-huh. Our vocal quality changes, and those are cues that already help the audience understand what the proximity of people are together. Mm-hmm. It sounds amazing. And so far I've heard a little, it's, it does sound amazing. And I'm looking forward uh, to, to listening to the whole thing. <clears throat> it's going to, it's the challenge of absorbing people's attention by listening is the real the real challenge. And I, I really applaud you for putting this all together. It, 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 it doesn't, take, doesn't take me back to childhood, but it does provide another layer for the theater goer's experience, which I am very grateful for you being creative enough uh, to figure that out, how to do it. And uh, good luck. I hope you get thousands i hope you get millions of people millions. you know yes. tuning, you can have millions it sounds yeah know? it's and it, why not there's 350 yeah. million people in, or, or, so in this country why not get yeah. a million of them they you should know. listen to it sounds phenomenal it really does so yeah. <laughs> Oops. we lost you it'll put you in the spirit <laughs> it, absolutely yeah, yeah. Oh, and um, your mic is muted again. I know, I know, because oh, I was okay. coughing. Um, so I want to. Uh, we we need to probably start to wrap it up. Do we have some questions, in particular? I don't think so. If you do have questions, you can email act uh, act dash org, and uh, 
attention Jake or attention Peter, and they'll answer <laughs> your question. Absolutely. And I believe um, that um, ACT has offered a, a special... They have. Rate. And um, that was great to, to bring that in. Um, we're, we're so excited. I'm really excited to learn about the effort that it takes uh, to develop something like this. We could go on for another hour uh, and have a lot of questions. <clears throat> but, and, but we encourage, this is all we have for now, and we encourage Commonwealth Club members to listen to the entire performance. And I know that, you, that, that if you go to uh, the link, if you go to that, there's a special discount available for club members. And there's a code on the program page for tonight. So use it and go listen. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Anne. Thank you now so much, Anne. To, uh, so thank you. Guys, Jake and Peter, look forward to talking to you again mm -hmm. uh, about uh, maybe not a radio play, but a sound design for a, uh, a new production that's never been thought of before. I'm, I'm sure it. you'll think That'd of be it. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. <clears throat> and, and so thanks so much. And a final reminder that uh, Commonwealth Club members should now head over to the club's Ciao, annual meeting led by uh, our CEO, Gloria Duffy. And you can ac access this meeting by clicking on the Zoom link in the email you received today at 3 o'clock or by uh, clicking on the Zoom link that's in the uh, YouTube chat box or in the Facebook comment section. So thanks again, everyone. We're delighted to have you here. Uh, joining us for, I think, let's, it's a session in the Commonwealth Club's 130-something year. I think it's still 137. I don't remember. But anyway, it's the Commonwealth Club has been going for a very long time, and we love doing these um, particular programs every day of the year, every Monday through Friday now not Saturdays and Sundays, but we do do Friday programs too. So anyway, welcome to everyone. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for, for being a part of our audience today. So I'm Ann W. Smith for the Commonwealth Club Arts Forum. Happy holidays. You've been listening to the Commonwealth Club of California. Hear thousands of our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, please consider supporting our work and help us bring 500 programs a year to listeners like you. Go to commonwealthclub.org donate. Think your way around the world with our travel programs to exciting domestic and international destinations. And when you're in the Bay Area, please join us live at our events. Thank you for listening and for your support.